So, I want to talk about uh, a couple things. First is Purim and Pesach. And uh, my hope is, uh, as, as uh, Peter has been motivating me, that we would um, get off the theology bent and just get more into our practical stuff that uh, we started with. So practically, how are we going to celebrate Purim? And what is it all about? Tomorrow is a fast day. Now, it's an easy fast. Esther asked all the people to fast. That's that's good, trying to get out of that. That was quick. It was quick, yeah. Esther was such a girl. Okay, so fasting. When does the fast begin? Sunrise. And ends at sunset. Right. All right. So we've got an easy fast. What does that mean? Practically speaking, what can you? I mean, can you have coffee? If you don't want to have a headache. If you don't want to have a headache, you can do it if you do it before sunrise. Okay. So, from an Orthodox perspective, what would you have? Water. Water. It's an easy fast. So you can have water. That's it. So, if you want to make it through and you're feeling a little puny. You get up early. You have a massive breakfast. That might take away a little bit from the reason for the fast. What was the reason for the fast? To to entreat God on behalf of His people, right? Okay. Um, What are you going to fast for? The sake of fasting? Amen. Amen. Good. Good. Um, when my people who call upon my name will humble themselves and call upon my name, I will heal their land and forgive. You know, did he say that to America? I see it on a lot of bumper stickers. I'm I'm confused. <coughs> are are they talking is is it is the bumper sticker intended to get me to call Jews up and get them to pray? What well, what's it seems anachronistic. What what's the problem? What's the problem? Timely this year. We have this at this point in time. We have Persia, which is modern Iran, and we have a leader who has stepped to the forefront and very openly and very, uh, uh, you know, very publicly said, "I'm Haman, and I would be happy to rid the world of these people." are, you know, uh, moving as quickly as they can. 
as they can to develop nuclear weapons, whatever, to actually make good on that threat. That's right. And so we have a set of circumstances at this point in time that is almost exactly like it was uh, in the original story with the, with the, the one key difference being uh, the, the people of Israel are in their own land with a means to defend themselves. Right. To a certain extent. To a, right, to, to a certain extent. So, uh, so I I would say fasting for the exact same thing that, yep. that Esther fasted would be a really good thing. Do you think that the Jews, especially the ones that have their heads screwed on straight in the land, That's what they're are going to be praying for that? I mean, what what were they going to fast for? Mm-hmm. If I mean, if not for exactly the same thing, if you were in the Israeli military today. Wasn't, isn't that what you'd be praying about? Okay. So, comment? Oh, I was just going to say in regards to the fast also, I just think um, it's also crucial to always, when fasting, to, to deny the flesh and to, to ask that God would draw closer and, and that there would be um, continued enlightenment in regards to who he is and how we serve him. Sure. I think that, uh, you know, if we, if we look at the, the, that age-old uh, uh, battle between the Yetzer Hara and the Yetzer Tov, right, the evil inclination and the good inclination, um, you can definitely have one stronger than the other if you feed it. Or, conversely, if you don't feed it. So, uh, I think if we don't feed the one side, the flesh, the spirit does become stronger, and uh, and so forth. So, Alright, so I, I, I can see myself praying for and fasting for Israel. Do you think we should pray for and fast for our own country? Yes? How many of you think we should pray for America? Okay. I mean, it's, it's a biblical thing, if you want to look at that. Romans 12 speaks a lot about that, that we have, the, uh, we have the people over us that God chooses to give us, and we normally get what we deserve. And uh, we're to pray for a peaceable life and so forth. We're to pray for those who are uh, in authority over us. So I think that's important. Um, we've got in, uh, God bless you, in the... Beginning of May, we've got the North Carolina primary. Um, we've also got uh, a presidential election coming up at the end of the year that could have a whole lot to do with how our lives go, whether or not it's legal for us to meet like we're meeting here, um, whether or not uh, we'll be a nation under God or a nation under someone else. So I do think it's appropriate to pray um, for our country. Um, but I want to encourage you to not pray that our country would be great. Not pray that our country would be uh, a great place to live in. That, to me, is too wishy-washy. I think we should pray that our country represent God effectively through His people. And that as much as we are a friend of His people, that He would then choose to pour out his mercy on us. 
God cares for those that care for his kids. It's as simple as that. So that might be something to do there. Um, there are some great prayers in the, uh, in the sitter. So what's, what's the deal? Um, you just get up, sun rises, not going to eat anything anymore. I want some practical steps here. Am I going to walk around with a sad face on? Am I going to deliberately go to lunch? So no, no, I'm sorry, I can't. Uh, I can't have any of that because, well, I'm fasting today. I notice that you're not fasting today, but I am. I am. Oh, wait, I need to make an announcement here in the restaurant. I'm. Yeah. What's, what's the deal? Good. Good. Yeah, so there's no reason to be a sad sack. Um, I always think of it as a, uh, a neat opportunity because I get to fast. I actually have a relationship with the creator of the universe, and I get to fast, and I get to ask him for his mercy. Did you know that there's actually people on the planet that cannot do that? They cannot do it. They can't fast, and they can't approach God. Because they have absolutely no relationship. I do. You do. Take advantage of the opportunity. It's like having a guy in the White House that knows you. Wouldn't that be nice? But occasionally people will ask, Jonathan has an interesting story from when he was in Israel, and he happened to be there during Shabbat, which is a traditional fast day. Sure. So one of the five. Uh, one of the five. Right. So he is there. He's working in, uh, you know, in the uh, ministry there, the warehouse there, and uh, in the office are local Israelis, Jewish, and lunchtime rolls around, and they get up to, you know, they get up to go warm up their food or whatever, and they come back to their desk, and Jonathan just. One of the girls, I forget who it was, but uh, kind of said, well, aren't, aren't you going to eat lunch? Jonathan said, well, no, I'm not. Well, are you okay? Well, what, what's wrong? You know, well, I'm fasting. And this lady who was Jewish, and of course not observant, was just floored yeah. that a Gentile yeah. would be fasting for the temple on a traditional fast day for Orthodox Jews. Right, and she, she was like, why would you want to do that? Well, because, you know, I, you know, I forget exactly what your response no, was. No, it was right there with me. It was interesting. Just to, to see that uh, you hear the go on, and they kind of do the double thing. Praise God. What a tremendous blessing. What a, what a great testimony. It's super. Amen. It's super. Yeah, if someone does find out, just make sure they know it's not for yeah, not for Lent. Yeah, yeah. Yes. In a, in, a, in a nation and in a culture where everybody is fasting, with the exception of that, that is a bad testimony. I'm sorry. Um, it's not a secret, and you're not supposed to act like you know. There's the notion that in Yeshua's words that we're supposed to be like super secret. So obviously, not fast because everybody's fast. Um, there may be personal fasts where it's more appropriate right. to keep quiet. Exactly. Uh, this is not one of those. Right. Uh, this is a public fast. This is a national fast. So 
we attach ourselves, if we are attached by Messiah to the people of Israel. There's nothing wrong at all telling people if they ask, I'm fasting. Amen. You're not supposed to be sad, sad, but you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely it's an opportunity. Normal that it's, the, it's supposed to be the normal thing as opposed to the. Exactly. Other thing. And it's an opportunity to associate ourselves with the community. You bet. So, practically, how does this work? If I'm going to fast, that means that I'm not going to eat. So, so what am I going to do when I would eat? I get to pray. For those of you who have a tough time with Minka prayers, we've got a classic opportunity here to take a late lunch break. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, if you've got a sitter, it can be your guide to participating in the fast. If you don't have a sitter, please take one with you. Bring it back on Shabbat. And if you're in a traditional Orthodox community, you probably want to be drinking water tonight so you don't get too dehydrated for a party. That's right. That's right. Praise God for that. Traditionally, um, at, (laughs) at the end of the... uh, at the end of the fast, you, you, you roll right into the, into the Purim festivities to celebrate now that God has, in fact, answered the prayers of his people. And uh, traditionally, um, there is much merriment. And uh, as tradition goes, you, um, you participate in merriment until you can't tell the difference between Haman and Mordecai, which is a good deal of merriment, as far as I can tell. Okay. So anything else on Purim? Uh, good, good time to do maturity. Well, you know, that's exactly right. We, we talked about that um, on uh, last Shabbat, or the Shabbat before, and... Uh, I neglected to mention it last Tuesday. Um, so Joshua has uh, recommended that we follow the tradition of giving a dollar fifty um, per household or per person um, to charity, and it would be great if we could do that as a group, and then make a, a, a greater statement. Uh, so if you choose to do that. I think he was leaning towards Joseph's storehouse, and then Gregory recommended Yad Ezekiel, I think it is. Yad Eliezer, right. Yad Eliezer. Um, Yad Eliezer is a, 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 an Israel-based organization that ministers uh, charity to, uh, to others, and their focus is on maintaining Judaism. Uh, so they're they're big into Purim baskets, Shabbat meals, and things of this nature to help those um, to to continue in the community activities um, that are are consistent with with Greater Judaism. So, um, if you would like to participate as a community uh, giving thing, um, if you don't have any money with you tonight, that's cool. Pete's going to put a piece of paper on the table over there. We're actually on my table here. And uh, you can just put your name and an amount. Uh, if you feel funny writing that down, then uh, just put an amount. Leave your name out. 
um, and I'll get with Joshua and Gregory, and they'll make that donation on on our behalf. And it's it's time to go with the fast. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be. Uh, it's not actually time to go with the rains. It's time to go with the fast. Amen. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's part of that prep and and seeing God work. So um, I plan to give, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do a little better than a dollar fifty per person in my family. Um, but I think it's a great opportunity and, and also a great great way that we can uh, come together as a community. So we probably won't have any totals or anything. And if you want to email me privately and just tell me how much, that's fine too. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Um, if you want to do that, just uh, make it known to me somehow, some way, and uh, I'll cover it. And then you can uh, you can throw something in the mail or do whatever you want. Um, don't bring me money this Shabbat, please. Cash today. That's right. That's right. So if you want to put something in the mail, great. Um, if uh, So we'll just take that. So great. Charity, uh, tzedakah, a great, great opportunity. And, of course, that's what Johnny was going to teach on tonight, was that whole opportunity to give. All right. Anything else on Purim? Giving? Everybody remind me to mention the giving thing again when I'm done so that we don't forget. Um, when everybody leaves. We read the Megillah. We read the whole Megillah. Megillah is Hebrew for? Scroll. Scroll, right? Which today would be the equivalent of our book. Book, right? Because they didn't have one scroll that had it all. It wasn't starting at Genesis and went all the way to Revelation or Malachi or in their Bible, Second Chronicles. Um, it was the Torah and then a scroll for each of the uh, the other books in the Tanakh. So you would read the whole Megillah. And uh, I think the last five, the last five scrolls are one scroll? Or is it five separate scrolls for Ruth and Lamentations and Song of Solomon? They're all separate scrolls, right? Yeah. So those are the, the, the five, um, the five Megillot. That's exactly right. And, and your commentaries in uh, um, Midrashim are, are laid out that way, but yeah, we will read the whole story. Um, you can uh, you can read the story in a funny way. You can read it with a pop up book. You can read it in Hebrew. You can read it in English. But the idea would be that uh, traditionally we would read the whole story, and uh, it is really a very very cool story. Um, my family likes to watch that movie, um, A Night with the King. Uh, I like to to see the uh, complimentary nature. Try and find the things that are just a little off uh, off uh, kilter there. Um, I think seeing, you know, stars of David floating around, you know, in lights, causing somebody to really think about it or not see those. I mean, it's just really kind of weird. But besides that, it's a pretty cool deal. Uh, I'm, a, I'm particularly excited with uh, the opportunity to read the scroll now in light of uh, the talk that the, the rabbi gave with, uh, with regard to the Amalekite and their propensity for some of the things that he was going through. Um, uh, Passion in light of death. Um, We see that with Haman at the end of the story. Um, A complete, overwhelming, and incomprehensible hatred of God's people. And uh, what appears to be uh, a resolve to the point of death and destruction, 
to uh, to meet their uh, their goal. Uh, I think uh, to Ken's point, uh, we've seen uh, we've seen this embodied in Islam, and uh, certainly now with Persia and Ahmadinejad and, and all that, it just seems to be that way. I wonder if Haman was short too. Um, Nothing against short people. Right, unless they're Muslim. Um, <laughs> some, some short people. Some short people. <laughs> so Hitler was short too. How about that? Yeah, so so that's the deal there. Um, I can't think of anything else that we do other than recognize the fact that it's the only book that God's name is not written out. It's hidden. There's a lot of masks. There's a lot of hiding stuff going on there. So that uh, tends to be a theme of the night. And uh, hence, the, hence, because of that, comes the, uh, the custom and tradition to have a masquerade party. Exactly. Because you have, in the, in the story, you have, first of all, the name of God hidden, but you also have this kind of constant people changing clothes, Esther puts on the royal gown. Uh, and he puts, puts on, on the sackcloth. Sack Haman puts. Haman puts him in uh, in so the royal the, robes, right? Yeah. So that's where we get the tradition to, to do the costume. Yeah. Now, uh, Greg did a fabulous teaching on this last year. That is available if you want to watch it online at bellatora.com on the teaching page, if I'm not mistaken, uh, complete with uh, PowerPoint, as I recall. So you've got audio, PowerPoint, the whole schmear. Um, good good stuff. I mean, it is mathematically amazing. I mean, it's mathematically amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a little mystical. No! Yeah. It was over the top. It was, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm leaning on the on the head covering class because it was, you know, recent in memory. But, but the Purim thing was awesome. So, um, so that's Purim. So, this past Shabbat, do you remember what last uh, Shabbat was called? You're right. Yeah. What were we supposed to forget? To remember? To forget? <laughs> Last week was Shabbat Zachor, right? Uh, what 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 does Chazal stand for? C H A Z A L is an acronym. Anybody remember? Chachamenu, our sages, Zichronam, Zivracha, Livracha, our sages of blessed memory. Zichronam, Zachor, same same root. It's the Shabbat to remember. So we remember not to forget, to remember to forget, and wipe out this guy's name so that we don't remember it. So don't forget. Yeah. So that was last week. And we've got another pretty special Shabbat coming up after Purim. I don't think it's this one. It is always the Shabbat before. Shabbat Hagadol? No, that's... That's... Right. The, um, right before that one is Shabbat HaChodesh. 
right? We've got the, the first of Nisan. Um, and then uh, Shabbat Hagadol is the big Sabbath, the great Sabbath before um, Pesach. And uh, so what's what's Passover all about? What do we got here, time-wise? Right. 30 days. And what happens right before that? Right before Pesach, what do we do? We're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do that right now. You should be eating up all that leaven stuff, right? We're not supposed to have leaven in our homes. For Pesach, do you do it on Erev Shabbat or do you do it on Sabbath? For Pesach, it would it's on the fourteenth, so it would be the night before it when the fourteenth starts. It is Friday night this year. It's Friday night. Friday, so it's actually. So, yep, it'll, so it'll fall right on the show. On the same night. Right, because it moves. Yeah, it moves. It's not on, it's not on Shabbat. It's like it may be during the day. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's. Yeah. That's what he just said. Yeah, there are there are some leniency for stuff that you got to do because Pesach overrules some of Shabbat, but not all of Shabbat. Because right. Yes. Correct. That's why I say some of the things it overrides Shabbat, but not all of them. Um, you can't light candles. You can't light no, the candles. You need to, you need, so you'll need to light your your, uh, your Pesach candles before Sunday. Right. Even though you may not eat for a couple hours. Just as you would with the Shabbat candles, right? Um, yeah, the only time that a Yom Tov overrides Shabbat completely is, it actually happened last year, right? With, uh, yeah, Yom Kippur. Actually, I said that. Actually, you're supposed to light the Pesach candles before the Shabbat candles. Right. Absolutely. If, so, I, mean, I was just assuming they'd be. The, I was just assuming they'd be the same candles. Well, I mean, they may be, but yeah. the point is the blessing for Pesach comes. It has to come before it. Right, because once you put yourself Shabbat. under Shabbat law, you're done. So, we enter in to Shabbat. So you know everything's got its place, and everything is to be in its place. So, uh, so we're having a, a Pesach seder. What's that all about? Because, uh, for example, anything with vinegar in it 
considered comments. So things like ketchup, uh, because unless it's unless it's like a vinegar that's like a like a apple cider vinegar or red wine vinegar, those would be fine. But most vinegars that are used in lots and lots of products are uh, typically from a from a grain uh, or grain based vinegar, which uh, under Orthodox Kalakal would consider comment. So you, you need to decide what your Kalakai is going to be Coke. You need to plan accordingly. Coke is not kosher for Passover under the Orthodox Kalakai. Right. right. Is it just the carbonation? No. It's because there's uh, Corn syrup. Corn syrup. Corn syrup. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you do need to choose. Um, you, we're to get the leaven out of our homes. Uh, traditionally, you'll get that out of your homes the day before. You'll put it in an envelope, get it outside or in a bag or whatever you're going to do it in. You could have a little ceremony to go through that. There's one in a sitter. Um, Pete and I have been going around the house for years and years. Uh, my girls actually set out normally in this room. They turn out the light. Before they turn out the lights, they put little piles of breadcrumbs. They hide it all over the place, like on that table, on the on the foot of the table. There's only one pile. Yeah, well, we, we may get there, Rick, because it's driving us nuts. So, <laughs> no, you're close, but there's seven more. Seven more. We just went through the room with you, you know. So Pete and I will go around, uh, you know, one year with a flashlight, one year with a candle, you know, and you know, doing the whole deal. And we get that all, and then we take it out of the house, and the next morning we we burn that, and that's. Uh, that's always a fun adventure, you know. Do you put gunpowder in there? You know, how does that work with napalm? Oh yeah, man! It's just, it's unbelievable. You get flames four or five feet high on your driveway, and your your neighbors are gonna ask you about your faith. It's as simple as that. Yes, sir. Where uh, where can we look to find like what is acceptable, what is not acceptable? It depends. That's what he was saying. Yeah. At the very least, you don't want. Uh, bread. You, you don't want a leavening agent. You know, you don't want bread or, or rolls or that kind of. At the very least, that's yeah, generic, generically yeast or leaven, baking soda, that kind of stuff, stuff that will get bigger. Um, the dough did not rise, right? Um, that's at a minimum. That's what you're trying to get rid of. Um, but I think um, the. The, the first thing that we need to recognize is is the picture of chametz in the scripture. is It's a picture of sin. Um, and the master goes through this, that a little leaven, leavens the whole lump, that if you get a little sin in your life, it can take over. So um, if you're living by yourself, you know, it's, it, it may not be, you know, a real great time for, for teaching unless you invite over a whole bunch of friends, especially pagans. Those are great. Um, but if you've got a, a household, I mean, once again, God has given us some unbelievably cool things that he says to do. You can't help but teach your kids. You can't help it. They're going to they're gonna learn. So uh, at a minimum, anything that obviously is going to leaven is, is something that you'd want to get rid of. Um, as you get deeper into this walk, you know, you, you take a look, and the Orthodox are um, decidedly different in many respects. I think the poorest one, the poorest example I've seen, is uh, are those that, uh, especially in the conservative movement, um, that would allow you to sell your leaven to a neighbor, a Gentile, 
and have him hold it so you can get, take it back. But actually, you don't even, you you don't don't even have to sell it. It stays in your house even, but I don't know. Well, they, it used to be you had to get it out of the house and give it to him, and then, you know, he'd give it back, and then, you know, they loosened it up even more, and now, well, okay, just put a cover over it, just put a sheet over it, or, or just put it in the corner, and, and, and to so the... Cleavermans, they'll have, they'll have sections that are, that are like... You can't get in. Uh, plastic doll, and, that, yeah. and they don't own it anymore. Right, and, and to me, that, that's... It's so poor. Yeah, you're, you're blowing the, the whole thing. I know that God said I shouldn't have this in my life, so I won't for a little while. You know, that's it. So, hang one sec. Yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. She did. <laughs> I run around with a wooden spoon, the flashlight, right, right. the feather, right? And we talk about what those all represent. And so they're going around and they'll find one. And there's a and, and with the leaven that they got to scoop up, there's a little clue that says, and it's usually uh, tied to a scripture, and but it's a clue on where to, where the next one is. Yeah, so cool. It turns into, you know, turn into a really fun game. <laughs> and two years ago, my mother was here, uh, happened to be here for Passover. And so she got to she got to see the kids do the better kind of mess, and then the little teaching I did with them, you know, afterwards. And she came up afterwards, and she was like, that "Unbelievable! Was, that was incredible." Over the time, object lesson. Yeah, and it, and it really is. Uh, and tying that back to you know Yeshua and how when he came in to uh, Jerusalem. Four days prior to the festival, what did he do? He went up to the temple, and that's when he threw the money changers out. He was cleaning the leaven out of his own house. And and what and what what's the verse <laughs> that that it talks about? Prior to that, it said that he would have zeal for his father's house, right? Right. So that zeal was demonstrated in obedience. And he cleansed that house and wanted to make it a house of prayer. Yes, sir. I guess I was asking, is there, uh, has anybody done a class on it, or is there any like literature or anything? I can oh, study? welcome to the internet. Yeah, we can we can find some fabulous sites. Chabad is great. Ashkenazi is pretty straight. Right. So uh, Sephardic is is a little more. That's why I said beans. Yeah, because Ashkenazi, even beans are considered blood. Yeah, any legumes, beans, corn. Yeah, see, to me, that's way over the top. But you know what? Cool. The idea is we want to be obedient to the scripture. Get the chametz out of your house. If you think this is chametz, then get it out. Um, I do think that it's it's good to, to recognize a source, an authority over us, and we tend to, to look to rabbinic Judaism for that. 
those two flavors, those two major flavors, are definitely available on the Internet, and I can help you find those guys easy. It's good stuff. I, I knew someone who went around his, his house and took out uh, CDs or DVDs and cleaned out his iTunes library every year just to show that there's things that you will pick up that have to be chock full of that's always been a, a cool kind of cycle to mentally check what, what it is you have in your you know, physical possessions and just clean it out. Yeah. That's, Remember, our, our modern culture has the idea of, yeah. of spring cleaning. Actually, they inherited it because they saw Jews cleaning everything every spring. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's exactly where it comes from. So it's, it's, it's not too much to ask that your toaster actually be cleaned out. You know, because yeah. there's little pieces of it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. yeah. If you oh, eat in your car, make sure you vacuum. Holy your car, cow, you yeah. Take the vacuum bag out and throw it away. <laughs> the biscuit residue. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, Taking it to the spiritual level, it's like Paul said, not all, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are profitable. Yeah. Yeah. Just as long as we don't spiritualize it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, clearly. It was a physical thing, and it should lead to a spiritual reality. So, um, if we start with the spiritual side, we've missed part of the point. We often, yeah. <laughs> if we start with the spiritual side, we'll never do it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if, if you start with the spiritual side, you have already given over the opportunity to use your Messiah as your example. Because he started first with that physical cleansing, and then he spoke about what this kind of stuff can do in your life. Uh, a few years ago, my wife made a comment as she was, you know, was preparing the house for Passover. She had uh, got to the point in the process where she's going through the pantry, <coughs> right, taking everything out. And so she's reading labels on everything. And I got home from work that day, so and we talked about how her day went. She said, well, I, I went through the pantry. And she said, you know... Uh, I was amazed at how many you know, packaged goods, when you go through the ingredients, have some sort of leaven. And she, and she said, you know, it's those convenient packaged items that, have, that always have sin. They look so good on the shelf, they're easy, they're quick, they're tasty, and yet they're the ones that have the sin. Yeah. And, and it was just, I remember that comment. Because it struck me as like, yeah, that's that's. It's usually those little those things in our life that are convenient. Yeah, we we should expect when we go into a, any good restaurant, and you recognize that if you read the appetizer list, you know if there's one thing on the appetizer list that we can eat, it's normal. One out of all of them, especially if you get a long appetizer list. You, if you got one. You're, you're, you're doing well. Because the world loves the things that God hates. That's why you can't love the world and Him. It's not possible. So it's not, it's not surprising that the stuff that's convenient and is all through this world is stuff that He would rather that we get rid of at least for this one week. i got to tell you, you go to lunch with friends during the week of unleavened bread. <laughs> and you bring a baggie with matzah. 
since you can, you can have your saying, oh, I'll order just a normal sandwich and take the, any, whatever it is off of it and put it on the matzah. I mean, it makes a, it makes a statement, you know? So it, we, we have uh, become a peculiar people because we are set apart by our God. Okay, so, uh, so the leaven. Separate. Separate, that's it, there was. Hour one. Um, so the, the leaven is uh, carted out of the house. We've cleaned. Um, this is the, uh, it's the beginning of the year. You know, it's, a, it's, it's the start of the, the spiritual year, uh, I guess you could put it, uh, rather than the civil year. And this kicks off the whole, the whole deal. We change what we read in the Siddur. You know, we're doing the stuff between Pesach and Rosh Hashanah rather than between Rosh Hashanah and Pesach. We're not on this part. We're on this part. Um, we'll be reading the... Yeah. We'll be reading the Ethics of the Fathers. It's great stuff. You know, we're reading a chapter every Shabbat. Times are going to change. We're going to count the Yomer so that we can connect that back. Man, it's uh, it's great. You know, the... Um, how did they know that the master was on the planet this number of days? It was they're counting the days every single day. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, we love looking at the calendar and seeing when the resurrection was and when the burial was and when the crucifixion was and arguing over that. And this year we think it's this day and last year we thought it was that day. And, you know, and when is the uh, uh, first fruits? And, you know, is it really on the next day? Is it really a Shabbat? Is it really a Sabbath? Is it really a festival? Yeah. Man, hey. It's just, it's so much fun because instead of getting caught up in the things of this world, we're actually sitting here and working through the scriptures line by line. That's, that's pretty cool. I like it. So it's a fun and wonderful time. And I, I find that we all tend to, to, to bond very well and, and, uh, and spend some great time together. So uh, all of that to say that uh, Pesach is coming up. And now is the time uh, when we need to start the prep and start to think about it. Um, if uh, if you, it is a Shabbat, so it's it's a it's a non-work day. So now would be the time if you haven't already at the beginning of the year to make sure you've checked with your employer to say, you know, um, I can't work on this day. That's a Shabbat, and. We always have a Shabbat during the week of Passover. Always. I know we got one in the middle of the week. Always. Because it, it's, it's a... <laughs> the always accept, right? It's always... A, it's a week long, so you're always going to have a Shabbat somewhere in the middle. Except on the rare occasion, <laughs> it actually happens on a Shabbat. So now, you know... Um, but we, actually, we will have a Shabbat, but it just won't be in the middle. That's we'll right. Yeah, we'll have two. Yeah. So, yes, the, uh, the first day and the last day of uh, the week of uh, Unleavened Bread uh, are, uh, are both uh, Shabbatot. And um, it's cool stuff. And then we've got Shavuot, um, 50 days, and, you know, where do you start counting and all of that? We'll talk about that. Yes? Single people, if there's, if there's any single people and you don't have... That's where I was going. Passover, please. Or me. There you go. So um, there should be no reason um, why you wouldn't be coming. Um, for those of you who did not... 
yes. sure he knows. But just yeah, but we, we do want to make sure. Um, so for those of you who did not hear, um, I gave uh, Isaac the uh, uh, green light to go ahead and court my daughter, Christine. So he asked her uh, this past Friday, and surprisingly, she said yes. <laughs> so um, if you uh, notice them together, um, it is okay by me. So it's I'm... Uh, <laughs> I am uh, I am proud to uh, proud to have him come close. So, so uh, if you would uh, lift them both up, they're in a, a time of uh, introspection. Um, so I just want to uh, close with that to say that uh, courting seems to be a, a good idea, and uh, I've been with folks that would argue that it's a biblical concept. If it is, I don't really see that. Um, I think it's a good idea. But the concept is that uh, if we can uh, just divide a woman's life into two parts, it appears from the scripture, in the example that we have from Joseph and Mary, um, that there is an engagement to be married. Biblically, we call this a betrothal period. And if you're familiar with the history of the day, it it seems that during that engagement period, there seems to have been a shift. The young lady no longer seems to be cared for and the responsibility of the father as she was before engagement, but rather now she is the responsibility of her husband, even though they have not yet been married. And in fact, legally, he must give her a get or a, a, a writ of divorce if he uh, finds some uncleanness in her uh, during this period. So they haven't consummated the marriage physically at this point, but who is it that Mary traveled to, from Nazareth to Bethlehem with? Her parents? No, with Joseph, and she was great with child. So they were not yet married, she was betrothed, yet she's traveling with her husband. So this same kind of concept is at least where my family's at. So um, from engagement on, um, the, uh, the woman is the responsibility more of the, uh, of the husband rather than the father. And you see this um, in, uh, in our family right now with Joshua and Juliana. They're engaged, you know, if... if uh, if there's a call on what's to be done, how it's to be done, and what's okay and what's not, it's Joshua's call, not mine. I'm done with that. She is his responsibility, and that's that's how we have done this. Um, prior to that, though, um, she's still my sack of potatoes. She's still my person to care for. Uh, so we see that, uh, that period right before engagement as that period of... Uh, Courting, um, and basically, in, in the case of uh, now Isaac and Christine, um, they're going to use this time under my supervision to figure out: Does this look like it's going to be a good idea? Because in my book, dating leads to sex, but courting leads to either marriage or death. <laughs> So, so uh, basically, um, 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. He he walked in eyes wide open, man. But I, I do think that uh, I do think this is a time where uh, where they need to examine, and and I think really Isaac more than anybody, the the man needs to look and say, I'm going to get married, and hopefully, God willing and by His grace, I'm not going to be a jerk, and I'm going to be with this woman for fifty, sixty, seventy years, right? Um, we are going to be a picture of Messiah and His Bride, of God and His uh, His Church, His Ecclesia, His Kahal. Um, so we need to do it right. So right now, Isaac is looking for any type of character flaw in Christine that he is unwilling to wait for God to change. Let me say that again. He's looking for character flaws in Christine that he is unwilling to wait for God to change. Barring finding any of those, they would move at some point to an engagement. But if he sees something like that, that would be the point where he could, without any kind of writ of divorce and all that kind of stuff, just come to me and say, you know what? I've seen something here that I just don't think I can live with. And she's unwilling to change. I'm not willing to wait for God to change it in her life. So we're, we're going to walk from this. Um, I've tried as best I can to examine this man and found him um, to be a good man. And I'm proud to uh, potentially someday have him as a son-in-law. But uh, that's, that's what they're going to be doing. So I would covet your prayers. Um, if you've got opportunity uh, in your morning prayers... To just lift these guys up. You know, Christine's doing the same thing, looking at him. Uh, they're going to try and find, um, is this a good match? Um, they both seem to think it is, walking in. And after a time, if it is, then uh, if he can demonstrate that he can care for my uh, my daughter, he's going to approach me one more time and ask me if he can marry her. So, anyway, that's, that's what's going on in our lives. So you can see that that... That lady's life split into two authorities: the father and the husband. Now, these—this is not made up, guys. There's only two guys that can annul a woman's vow before she's married: the father. After she's married, her husband. So. A woman's life is divided into two authorities. So in this period, she's still under mine. Isaac steps in. Then she becomes his authority. He becomes her authority. Thank you. And we move on from there. Okay? Yeah, you're right. That's right. That's exactly right. So, uh, by the way, May uh, 8th, I believe, uh, marriage amendment in North Carolina. Um, who do we have to thank for the government being involved in marriage at all? Calvin. Calvin, thank you very much. He was adamant that the government needed to give us a license in order to be married. <clears throat> yes, sir. One more thing. Yes, sir. Go ahead.
sacrificing and annulling the physical in order to um, reveal the you know this super seeming spiritualism. Yeah. I I thought of this and it, it worked out really well. So um, I I asked him to consider that Yeshua, our Master, asked. Um, he said, "It's as often as you drink of the cup, do it in remembrance of me and the blood that he." spilled brutally physical and when he could have done it you know redeemed us spiritually yeah, yeah. no he physically died you're yeah. right good. that's good that's excellent to see in a traditional meal a physical representation of a physical sacrifice leading to a spiritual reality that's great that's good yeah uh, I think uh, one of our strongest arguments against professional Christendom is their tendency to want to spiritualize a lot so that they don't have any rules. Well, no, they can spiritualize the tithe, but they don't want to spiritualize that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's very good. Oh. All right. Let's see if we've got a... Any other questions, comments on Passover? Anything? I mean, we'll be talking about this again. And uh, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, we were going to start talking about uh, kosher. So we're going to start to get into that a little bit. And kosher food, um, as opposed to kosher sneakers, or kosher? Yes, kosher Isaac. That's exactly right. So yes, we are we are going to talk about cash root and. Um, just tear that little bad boy up and see how are we eating and why are we eating and why are we not eating and do you and should you and why wouldn't you and why white you and all of that. I thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall. And you have not established our portion with idlers. No, no, no. For we arise early, they arise early. We arise for the words of Torah. And they arise early for idle words. We toil and they toil. We toil and receive reward. And they toil and do not receive reward. We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come. And they run to that pit of destruction. As it is written, And you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for us, we will trust in you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, men.